Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. So happy to be here with you. And this episode is one that I was really excited to do because I've gotten a lot of questions on this subject before, but it was something that I didn't personally experience to the depths that I know other people do experience it. So I wanted to bring somebody else on who not only has experienced it, but helps other people navigate it. And the topic today is retroactive jealousy. And essentially what that is, is when you are extremely jealous of your partner's past, or maybe you obsess about their past exes that they've been with, and maybe get stuck in comparing yourself to them. And so, of course, I've had jealousy before. It's something that's come up in my relationship. I think it's pretty common emotion to experience, but I knew that I wanted to bring another person on to speak to this. And so I was very happy to talk with Eva Thompson, who helps people overcome retroactive jealousy and get rid of intrusive thoughts and mental movies about their partner's past. So we're going to dive into retroactive jealousy, what that is, and more about her own story navigating retroactive jealousy and relationship OCD, as well as how to shift out of the patterns of retroactive jealousy. So I'm really excited for this conversation and let's dive in. Hey, Eva, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation because it's a topic that I feel like I know only the very surface level of, and there's so much more to it. I think that yeah. meets the eye. And and when I came across your work, it really connected with me. It really felt like, wow, I, I resonate with what she's sharing. And I, I feel like you make it sound so clear and easy to understand. So I'm excited for the You Love and You Learn community to learn from you. And before we get too much into your story, I just want to set the stage for people listening. We're going to talk about retroactive jealousy and you'll explain more what that is here in a second, but that's just what we're going to be getting into today. And I'd love to hear first, before we dive into that, what your experience is with retroactive jealousy and relationship OCD or anxiety, just a little bit more about how you got to be helping others with this. Yeah, sure. So I struggled with retroactive jealousy, I'd say initially. Um, I had it in a few different relationships. And I eventually got into the relationship that I'm in today. And we're married today. We're very happy. Um, I don't have it anymore, thankfully. But there were various different reasons why I struggled with it. And I didn't know what it was for a very long time. I think now it's a lot more well known, which helps because it's it's it really logically doesn't make sense. And if you haven't been through it, it's very difficult for you to understand it, I think, or at least understand the severity of, of, of how it can impact someone when they are struggling. So, yeah, I struggled with it for about altogether, I'd say, seven years. Um, and 
I eventually came across the term for it. I tried a bunch of different things to overcome it. And eventually, when I was studying to become a hypnotherapist, I was studying this specific technique called RTT, which basically stands for rapid transformational therapy. And I was working on different areas of myself, obviously practicing on people, people practicing on me just before you graduate. And that's when I was able to truly overcome it and not only overcome it, but see where it stemmed from, what it was about and understand myself and the issue on such a deeper level. And that's when I sort of set out to see, well, okay, could this be something that I focus on? Could this be something that I help people with? So yeah, and then I think what can happen is with retroactive jealousy, it can lead to ROCD because what happens is with the with the rj with the retroactive jealousy basically put in very simple terms it's when your partner's past bothers you right so it could be it makes you angry or it could make you really sad it could make you shut down or it could make you ask lots of questions you know and so naturally when you feel that way and you're getting these intrusive thoughts and sometimes mental movies about your partner and their past and what they did naturally you know you could it could lead to questioning the the relationship as well you know which can look more like ROCD Mm, yeah that's really helpful to hear and it makes a lot of sense how that could then influence relationship OCD so thanks for clarifying what retroactive jealousy is firstly because I was going to ask that as my next question realizing we didn't quite set the stage for that but can you share a little bit more you kind of just got into it like the mental movies or maybe like thoughts or kind of asking your partner questions, but because retroactive jealousy means someone is kind of looking back at their partner's past and it makes them feel either sad or angry in some way, what are the common thoughts or patterns or compulsions that you were experiencing and you find the most common in your work with clients of someone who experiences RJ? Yeah. So it's a, it was a blessing in disguise, but I experienced pretty much all of it so I went from angry and judgmental to asking questions to shutting down to feeling really sad to literally it was really a journey for me and yeah you know put simply what retroactive jealousy is is when your partner's past bothers you and it bothers you you know, not not where you just think about it and then you're able to to let it go. So, you know, no one likes to think about their partner with somebody else. But I'm talking about obsessing over it and wondering about it and wanting to ask questions or feeling people can feel really sad and, and even, you know, become depressed by it. People can feel really angry and judgmental and shame and blame their partner. Other people just feel really jealous. It really depends on the individual and yeah, you can act out compulsions, like some people stalk the ex on social media loads, you know, other people, like we said, they ask their partner questions, some people completely shut down, and they don't want to talk about it, they feel such shame and guilt about it, you know, yeah, it, it really can lead into a whole host of things, but there are different compulsions, asking questions is probably number one, and then uh, stalking social media, finding other people that suffer with it and asking them what they think about their partner and their relationship. That can be another one. So yeah, it can look different for people, but the bottom line is put very simply, it's, it's when your partner's past bothers you. Hmm. So if I understand correctly, what you're saying, basically like the, the different ways it can show up is more of like a sadness route or an anger route. So the sadness route might be like, 
oh, I can't believe my partner was with other people before me. Like that makes me really sad. Whereas the anger version of it is like, oh my gosh, how dare they? I can't believe they did all of that before being with me. Is that kind of an accurate representation? Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I watched a video of yours and I'd love to, if you're cool with it, kind of go through the four things you talked about in that video of why retroactive jealousy tends to happen. Because what I've experienced with relationship anxiety, and let me know if you feel the same about retroactive jealousy, is that it's kind of the symptom, right? There's like a deeper root underneath that's going on internally and it can show up in your relationship or it can show up in other areas of your life. But that's not necessarily the core of what is really going on. So there were four reasons, and I'm happy to remind you of the four that you shared in this video if if you need, but I'd love to just start the question with you first of what are some of those top reasons why someone's really experiencing this? Yeah. Yeah, I I think I made that video like two years ago, so I might need some reminding. Of course, I talk about it all the time. Um, And off the top of my head, I can't, you know, I can't sort of think about the, the several reasons why but yeah it is absolutely a symptom when you're in a, a healthy relationship I think especially your partner really does become your mirror sometimes you know maybe it's true maybe there is incompatibility there maybe your values and your beliefs don't align uh, maybe your partner's given you a reason to worry about their past but 90% of the time if not more 95 the people that I talk to at least you know, that's not the case. They're in a relationship with someone that loves them and cares about them and gives them all this reassurance and all this validation. And for some reason, they just can't truly accept it. Like you can look at your partner and you know they're not lying. You logically can understand that a lot of the time, especially when you're not triggered, that you want to be with them. But when you get triggered, all that logic just goes out the window. And something that I talked to about something that I talk to people about a lot is you know you've got this reality if you're in a relationship that you know you want to be in you've got this reality where many people say you know everything's perfect everything's great there's no problem the only problem right now is the RJ and it's it's almost like you have this person they're giving you reassurance they're giving you validation they're there for you they're telling you the truth but your mind is trying to sabotage that And there can be various different reasons behind why. One of the reasons that we see is the inability to really believe your partner when they're telling you that you are so special to them, right? So someone that has RJ can can often question or often think that, oh, well, they've had all these relationships in the past or they they were with this person before for so long. How can this be special? or they slept with these people in the past, or this amount of people, so how can our intimacy be special? And they really worry about that. And so often we do see sort of unconscious beliefs and limiting beliefs around feeling lovable enough and feeling good enough and being able to essentially accept your partner's reassurance when they're telling you, you are special to me, I do value you, I don't care about my past anymore, you're the only person that I want, you're the only person I see a future with, and there you are, believing it in the moment but you're not really letting it in you're not really allowing yourself to feel that and and allow it to be the truth one of the reasons is because maybe you don't feel that you are that special or you are that great of a partner and you know that's where self-esteem and self-love and you know feeling lovable enough or worthy of happiness like that all can come in to play 
Um, and another reason is fear of committing. So if you, for example, grew up and you have parents that maybe didn't have a great relationship or you witnessed a lot of arguing and a lot, a lot of pain or it caused you a lot of pain and unconsciously you've sort of adopted beliefs around, you know, well, commitment equals pain. You need to be careful. You need to, you know, your mind's trying to protect you. And so often RJ can show up as a reason why you can't accept that their words to be true you can't trust them mm -hmm. you know so those are two those are the two main reasons then you have other reasons such as growing up very differently so some people maybe if you grow up religious and your partner isn't religious or you grew up with very with parents that perhaps were even judgmental and they saw things as very black and white you know like people that do this or they engage in these sort of behaviors are bad or they're beneath us or they're unworthy and often people get into a relationship, they put their partner on a pedestal, they find out that they've done all these things, and then they, their reality is sort of shattered in a way, because in their mind, they're like, well, I thought that people that did this were bad or beneath me or unworthy, and here I am in love with you, you've done these things, I don't know what to think, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what to trust, you know, so those are those are the three main reasons I would say. And then as well, maybe it is incompatibility. Like I said before, maybe it is just not, maybe they've given you a reason to feel this way. Maybe the ex is in the picture or, you know, that's another, another thing. Cause often people will say, well, you know, just find another partner. Just don't be with this person. You don't have to, I mean, don't put up with it. And that's not what RJ is. RJ is, I want to be with this person. Mm -hmm. I, I do see a future with them you know I see them for who they are today but I just want to be able to accept that on a logical level everything is perfect everything makes sense everything is wonderful but I get these uh, these mental movies I get these intrusive thoughts and I just start questioning everything so that's sort of what happens yeah beautiful and two years ago you are very uh similar to what you shared uh now so <laughs> I know sometimes we make things and then it's like, wait, what did it exactly I say? I mean, it's okay to, of course, yeah. evolve in how yeah. we're thinking and feeling, but that worthiness piece, I think was such a big part. And the way yeah. that you phrased it, what I heard you share was getting your worthiness tangled up in your partner's past. Yes. And you said something so powerful. Your partner is not there to make you look better or boost your worth. That's and another big one. So important because it's like, oh, well, if if you've been with too many people or like, oh, I can't stop thinking about your past relationship, then how is that affecting how people see me or how is that affecting my image? And it's like, wait a second, that's not what our partner's there to do. So can you speak a little bit more to that? Yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another very, very big one. And I do see it mostly with men, not only, but mostly. And I think I've, I've made more videos talking about this more specifically. I think it's called watch this if you are worrying about what other men think of your partner or something like that because it's worrying about what other people are gonna think of you or of your partner it's essentially giving them so much so much power over your life and over your happiness and over your relationship because you're basically saying well I care more about what this person's gonna say or how this person thinks about my partner or how they view them, or how they treated them. I care more about that than my happiness and my relationship with this person. And it's not, it doesn't come from a bad place. I had a client the other day, and we were talking about this, and it's, he said, it's, it's almost like I question my judgment over 
But because, you know, if they're treating her badly, if they didn't treat her right, if you have a history with not trusting your judgment and not trusting yourself or, you know, whatever you've been through, that's what that's what he was going through. He was he was questioning his judgment. Do, did they see something in her that he's not seeing that could be a red flag? Is that why they didn't treat her right? When, you know, most of the time it's people grow up and they figure out what they deserve and what they don't. And this, his partner, my client's partner, she accepted behavior that she thought was maybe okay at the time or she deserved at the time or she didn't know any better. Like everyone, you know, you need to allow the other person to be human as well. That's another very important thing is we're allowed to learn. We're allowed to grow. We're allowed to change. We're allowed to to build ourselves up and to to, to cultivate self-love and, and, and want better behavior from other people in our life. So yeah, that was, that was what it was for him. It was, I'm I'm questioning my own judgment because they didn't they didn't treat her nicely. So am I not seeing anything? Is there is there a danger? Here? Should I be looking up looking out for something? And like I said, it was just you know she 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 accepted bad behavior because that's where where she was at, and now she's not anymore. It's not it you know can you can get your insecurities tangled up in sort of what your partner's done in the past, and it's out of fear you know a lot of the time as well. Yeah, that perfectly tees up another point that you had mentioned, which is this fear of being compared to an ex and not measuring up, and then the fear of getting hurt. So that is such a big piece of this when it's our own fear or insecurity. And I feel like the word fear to me feels more compassionate than insecurity. Like even though they're similar words, I use the word insecurity a lot too, just because I feel like it's a common word that people say like, oh, is that your insecurity or is it really your partner? But I think fear to me just feels like, oh, every human has some sort of fear. So just personally, I'm like, oh, that feels better for me when I remember I'm fearful right now and I'm not necessarily insecure, but talk to me a little bit more of that fear of being compared. Cause that's, I mean, that is a scary thought. If you're going down that path of like, am I good enough compared to this person? I understand why that would bring up feelings of fear but talk to me a little bit more about why that's not helpful or why that's not doing any good for the relationship yeah I think most of the time your partner is there giving you reassurance I remind people that it ended for a reason and I try to remind people that despite what happened despite the good and bad memories they want to be with you today they've chosen you today but you need to be able to accept that. And if we look at, well, why why are you struggling to accept that you are not necessarily better than anyone else or worse than anyone else, but for your partner, you are the one for them. They want you. And this can this can often lead to sort of figuring out fears around being compared and not being good enough and not knowing your worth as as a partner and so many times I ask people that I work with well what do you bring to the table as a partner what are the positive things that you bring to the the table in your relationship and they'll start saying well I'm you know I'm a great listener and I'm empathetic and I'm loving and I'm loyal and I'm kind and I'm this that and the other and all these positive things and then I ask them well do you think that that's easy to find and they stop for a minute and they go no and and I'm like see you're a great partner you're a great person accept it you know look at what you bring to the table be proud of the kind of partner you are know your qualities know what you bring to the 
table and be proud of that. And that's mm. where you really want to be. You know, you you know the qualities that you bring to the table and you're proud of them. You know that you're a great partner to the point where if the person that you're with doesn't see that or doesn't appreciate that, you're comfortable with them. Comfortable, you know, it's going to hurt, but you're okay with them walking away mm. because you know your worth and you know your value. So that's sort of how we shift it and how we look at it but of course it tends to happen a lot this this fear of of being compared fear of getting hurt especially if you've got history with it and if you've been hurt in the past either in your childhood or in a previous relationship it's it's very normal for it to to come up but if it's if you're with someone this is why I say to people RJ is really it can really show you what needs to be healed what you can work on and if you're with someone that is supportive and that cares about you and you know was going to be there for you and see you th- to see you through it, it it really does open up the door to self-discovery on a on a big scale it did for me at least and it, for a lot of people that I work with too so that's how I look at it today yeah that's beautiful and I want everyone to just listen toward that very specific tangible exercise you gave them, which is like writing out or reflecting on what are the ways that I am a loving, supportive partner. And if that's a hard exercise for you, then all the more reason to spend Mm. more time on it. Right. Cause I think sometimes, especially with the anxious mind, it's easy to see all the areas of where we're not good enough. We're not doing enough for our partner because we're anxious. Like we add all this extra stress on things, but Yes. And you're also very intentional. You're also very thoughtful. You're also very considerate. Most of the time my clients are coming to me and they're so empathetic, like you said, because they're just always thinking about how their partner might feel or how this could affect other people. There's a lot of beauty in sensitivity and other qualities that we sometimes look at as character flaws. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that people tend to do is they they are taught to measure their worth based on comparison Mm -hmm. so we find it and I think society probably does this to a degree as well but it's almost like we're taught that we're only good enough if we're better than we're only good we're not just good enough just the way we are we're we're good enough if we look better if we are better at this or better at that or if we've had these experiences and this is I mean I've had clients where maybe their parents compared them at school they asked the child did you what did you get on this test and they said a b okay well done who got who got an a in class Mm. how many more people were ahead of you you know so we're we're really taught to measure our worth based on comparison which if you say it out loud and you really analyze it doesn't make sense because you can't be better at everything than any than everyone you know what i mean you can't be the best at everything it's impossible so really knowing yourself and knowing your strengths and, and your weaknesses and self-acceptance and, and focusing inwards and on you instead of wanting to be better than the ex or wanting to be you know better than this that or the other a lot of the time for men it's comparing sexual experiences as well wanting to be top wanting to be the best and they get in their head so much where you're not present with your partner you're not creating the memories that you can that you have the potential to because you're just so in your head thinking about the past and that's another thing that I see a lot is is measuring your worth based on comparison which doesn't logically make sense but we are taught to do it I think as well as people that have RJ being 
a perfectionist. People people do this a lot. We we when we project this onto the onto our partner, and I think. I mean, I still struggle with this today, being a perfectionist, you know, wanting everything to be a certain way sometimes. And as a Naji sufferer, if you have these high expectations of yourself, sometimes you forget that you're a human being and you project that onto your partner and you w- will think things like, well, you should have known better. You, you know, you should have done things differently. What were you thinking? And you can get really judgmental, but it's all coming from somewhere. It's a projection, you know? So it's important to look up what are you projecting onto this person and why? Yeah, super helpful to hear that. And you used a phrase a few times so far that I think is worth mentioning because I've had this thought many times with ROCD relationship anxiety type thinking. It's like, it doesn't logically make sense. Mm -hmm. And yet I know that, you know, from experience and with your clients that even when things don't logically make sense, there's just so much to it. And so I'm really glad that we spent that first bit. Thank you so much for sharing like all those different reasons why it can come up. Because if someone's listening to this and they're like, I know it doesn't make sense. I hope that they really heard all of the potential things happening underneath the surface as to why this can show up. And when we talk about logical or like thinking through, um, there's something that you've shared that I think is so interesting. And I want to talk about not just like the mind, but also the body later, but I want to start with the mind first, because we're using the word logical and that really comes from logic in the mind. And Mm -hmm. you've said this phrase, the same mind that came up with these thoughts is the same mind that can get rid of them. So just share a little bit more about what that means for you and how that can get put into practice. Yes. So first of all, because I've seen so much pain surrounding this, if you are someone that is struggling and because it doesn't logically make sense, you will beat yourself up. Please, please don't do that. Please know that what I say to people is that you're not doing this because you're not doing it on purpose. You're not doing it because you, you don't like your partner or you want to cause pain, a part of you is in pain. Mm-hmm. A part of you is maybe angry, but the root of anger is pain. A part of you is maybe confused. You know, you need to look at it with empathy instead of judgment. Because if the RJ is created from, or the root cause of the RJ is insecurities, and then you get the RJ, and here you are judging yourself and calling yourself names because you struggle with this, What's going to happen is it's going to feed into the insecurities. It's going to make the RJ worse. Mm-hmm. So to just taking that step back and just being like, okay, RJ is not my fault, but it is my responsibility. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as far as the logic versus emotion, I think what I mean by that is the way that I look at things, at least. We come onto this planet and we we do feel or know on some level that we are good enough just the way we are. But then depending on events that happen, the way that you grew up, who you surround yourself with, we begin to adopt beliefs about ourselves, who we are, um, if we're good enough or if we're lovable enough or what we should be afraid of or all of these things. And we adopt all of these beliefs that can absolutely 100% be shifted and they can be changed Mm. so if you adopt a belief at four years old I had a client I've got actually the the session in front of me but because I I was talking to them earlier today but 
we we looked at times when they were as young as four years old and they were dealing with loneliness and feeling abandoned and feeling worthless and coming to this conclusion that no one has my back, I'm alone. Adopting these beliefs, coming to these conclusions at such a young age, it's so real, you know, and you can feel that emotionally at 35, at, at, at 65, if you don't shift it. But you can shift it. The same mind that came up with these limiting beliefs and conclusions, which absolutely makes sense because as a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a seven-year-old, you don't have the, the ability to understand why certain things are happening. So if maybe your parents are not there for you or you don't you get bullied at school, a lot of the time you're not going to think to yourself, oh, well, they have their own issues. They went through this in their childhood. This is why they're treating me this way. You think, well, it must be my fault. I must not be good enough. I must be, you know, or this feeling of loneliness and 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 thinking that no one's ever going to be there for you or not having emotional stability and that becoming familiar to you. What is familiar equals safety. So even if it's not, even if it's not good, it's familiar and your mind likes what's familiar. So if emotional instability and chaos is what you're used to, and here you are in a great relationship where you're, you've got no reason to worry, what is familiar to you is worry. So that's going to be another conflict that comes up. So yeah, to sum it up, I think the same mind that, that adopted beliefs that are in conflict with your reality today is the same mind that can absolutely shift them and you know you can you can I talk about emotional versus logic for me it's logic is the conscious mind and the unconscious mind is the emotional mind so you can get your emotional and your logic mind to work together once you start questioning things and and shifting things within your own self so that's definitely how I see it yeah that's beautiful and for anyone listening to I know sometimes like we hear things like oh if you had all this chaos happening and maybe people listening are like oh well I just had like a normal childhood but I can speak from experience I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood all things considered but there's these micro moments right like I'm an older sister and there could have been a moment where my brother was getting attention which is so valid like it's so valid but maybe I felt in that moment I don't I'm not getting enough attention and There could be older siblings that don't care about that at all, but maybe my temperament is more sensitive. And so that left some sort of mark or maybe being around parents who worried about you because they love you because you're the older sister, right? So it's like, just when you're listening to this, I don't want you to be thrown off by, oh, well, well, my childhood was so great or so normal. So I don't have this same thing. It doesn't apply to me. It's like at any point in our life, there can be things that have stayed with us, like you said, and created that emotional story of I'm not enough or something's wrong because someone treated us a certain way yeah so same I wasn't I didn't have a I had a good childhood you know I both my parents are still together I was very lucky the way that I grew up for me it was honestly it was relationships I got into and how I was treated really from the first relationship onwards that I think sparked a lot of my my insecurities and perhaps micro moments in my childhood but mostly it had nothing you know I had a good childhood as well so yeah it can absolutely stem from from anywhere like you said yeah thanks for sharing more about uh your story too so the logical piece I feel like can really go out the window when we're in our emotional state as you know 
And a lot of my clients, I'm sure yours will say similar things of like, but it just feels so real in the moment, or I had such a good session. And then like, maybe in the moment, it was so hard to actually implement it. So where does the emotional piece come in? Like you shared getting your, you know, logic and emotion to work together a little bit more, like how can we respond to the emotions if emotion is the thing that's going to often overpower the logic? That's a good question. So I think it's it's called emotional flooding, I believe. And when we experience emotional flooding, when we get triggered, specifically with RJ, you'll get a mental movie, you'll get an intuitive thought, and then you'll feel the emotion, maybe it's anxiety, or maybe it's anger, maybe it's sadness, or all of them. And you just, your body then goes into a fight or flight. So it could be your chest specifically, or it could be the whole body. It could be you feel this, you know, you feel tense in your head, or it really looks different for different people. And a way to calm down, there's different ways, but one of them is breathing techniques, taking deep breaths, getting your body to calm down. What I have recently uh, come to realize that helps is... If you want to, f- could you you can't fight emotion. You can't fight um, emotion with logic. So you, if you try, what you can do, you can you can fight emotion with emotion. So if you write down, for say for example, you suffer from RJ and you want to stop asking questions or you want to stop st- stalking the ex on social media. You want to when you're not triggered, you want to write down the reasons why when you're triggered you don't want to act out the compulsion. You don't want to ask questions. And really make sure that that resonates with you, that it, it means something to you. So it's, you know, it's emotional to you. I don't want to ask questions because I don't want to fight with my partner. I don't want to make them feel bad. I, I want to be with this person. I want to I want to stop feeding the beast, so to speak. Stop asking the questions. Stop um, feeding into the compulsions. All of your why, you know, your why to why you do not want to do this anymore. Why you don't want to be like this. And when you get triggered and you're feeling emotional, read that list to yourself and it's likely to to stop you from wanting to act out the compulsion because you are now fighting emotion with emotion you're not just saying well the past is the past it doesn't matter anymore it shouldn't bother me no here you are you're trying to you've set a goal for yourself and I say to people it takes at least 21 days for the mind to make what is familiar unfamiliar and vice versa so our default is what is familiar to us so if you're in this relationship and what is or what you're used to is intrusive thoughts and mental movies and acting out compulsions, it is going to take some time to to get out of that. Now, if you want to make a 21-day calendar and each day that you don't act out a compulsion, tick tick the box. So say, for example, day one, two, and three go really well, you don't act out a compulsion. But on day four, you really get triggered and you want to ask a question. Because you've got a goal now, you want to get to that 21-day streak, you're likely to read your list, read the whys, why you don't want to ask questions, why you don't want to act out compulsion on day four, for example, and not do it. And that's how you slowly begin to make life without the issue familiar, not asking questions, not acting out compulsions, not starting arguments, you know. But with this calendar, because you feel a sense of accomplishment every day when you tick that box of, I haven't done it today. Mm-hmm. And you should do it on, you know, using a pen and paper, I recommend, instead of a laptop or a phone because you really want to be able to take that box already and say I have I haven't done it today and really have that goal in mind 
that's something that I would recommend as far as the emotional side of things go. To be honest, for me, what eventually helped me was hypnotherapy and and shifting things on an emotional level like that. I found it a lot easier. I found it a lot quicker. But it looks different for everyone. For me, that is what really changed everything. Yeah. I tried everything and that's what really did it for me. For someone who might not know, and I've never actually participated in hypnotherapy either. So the someone who doesn't know is also me, but for anyone else listening, what is going on in hypnotherapy that maybe is different from something else that you had tried before? Because I I first want to say I love that tool that you gave to people. I'll also give the disclaimer that, you know, if you end up having the compulsion on day four, it's like, that's okay. Be kind to yourself. Know that it's a journey and, and keep going. Um, but I love that because it feels really tangible, but let's talk a little bit about hypnotherapy. Cause I know that's a part of your world and I'm pretty unfamiliar with what goes on with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've had clients that have had to start over a few times and that's absolutely fine. You know, go ahead and, and do so. But with hypnotherapy, the thing is, there's different types out there. So what we typically know is hypnotherapy for entertainment, which has nothing to do with clinical hypnotherapy. What it is essential, and it's also under the umbrella of clinical hypnotherapy, there are loads of different types. I can only speak on what I've studied and on, on what I've done and what's helped me. It's a more conversational type of hypnotherapy. So if you've ever tried, it's basically a relaxed state. If you've ever tried meditation or anything like that, It's a relaxed state where you're able to get your unconscious mind and conscious mind to work together. So you're able to look at where certain things stem from, what beliefs, what conclusions you came to and why, and then begin to shift it. So put very simply, hypnotherapy is getting your emotional and your logical mind to work together. That's how I really see it because when I was struggling and I was studying this specific type of therapy I didn't have sessions for retroactive jealousy I had sessions for other things that got to unconscious beliefs that were the root of the RJ without me knowing it mm-hmm. it happened in a very roundabout way for me it took me a good six months to overcome it altogether because I had chronic back pain for example but that was caused within a, a relationship that I had before that wasn't a very healthy relationship and I felt trapped and they did have relations with their ex and that bothered me and they weren't honest about something so here I am you know the feeling of feeling trapped the feeling of what if this is a mistake not feeling good enough comparing myself feeling really insecure feeling well how can I be that special if he's had these girlfriends before all of these things came up. I was looking to get rid of chronic back pain. I wasn't looking to overcome Arjun necessarily, or even, you know, within business, finding the confidence to show up online. And I was working on all of these things. I wasn't working on the Arjun, but we did come to find beliefs and conclusions that I'd come to that were actually contributing massively to the RJ. And so that's how I saw the RJ slowly subside over these months of me practicing and 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 studying this technique. And even towards the end, I always, you know, I say to people, I feel like RJ's and this path has sort of found me because most people that suffer from RJ are men. And here I am, a young girl, just graduating. I didn't necessarily want to 
work exclusively with men or mostly with men. I wanted to help young girls with anxiety and depression. That was my thing. That was what I had in my mind. But then I I, I was able to heal the RJ. And, and my first client was a lovely girl named Erica. She's got a testimonial on my website. And she was kind enough to, to do with me. And it went really well. So that's sort of how I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll give RJ a go. I'll see if I can help people. And I've tailored this technique now to RJ specifically mm-hmm. over the years. But yeah, I wasn't even looking necessarily. I didn't even know I could overcome it like this. I I was, you know, really trying, but I just thought it would always be something that I had to cope with, you know, like would come and would go and cause a really bad argument and then it would subside and you'd get over it. But, you know, that's sort of what happened for me. It wasn't intentional. But obviously, I'm very glad it happened. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I find a lot in my client sessions as well, when we get underneath the root of some of the more logical thoughts and we get more to the emotional core fears, oftentimes it comes back to very core things and everyone experiences these in slightly different ways. So I don't want to make a blanket statement that everyone will have these exact fears, but am I good enough? Am I lovable? Am I going to fail at something? Like, will other people think that I've, hurt them and like am I good or bad there's just so many of these deep-seated beliefs I think that a lot of humans come with just by being human but the way that it shows up in your life can be masked as retroactive jealousy relationship anxiety you know being paralyzed to make a job change um you know being in a a friendship even with someone that maybe you don't even feel like is a healthy friendship anymore, but you're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. So I think there's just so many different ways it can show up. And I'm really glad that through this, you've been able to share more of like what's going on at the root versus just the symptom. Yeah, absolutely. It it really is something that once you look at, it does help you. Although obviously it doesn't feel like in the moment when you feel this anxiety, it can help you. You can help you heal these these things that you said, these deep-seated beliefs and conclusions that you've come to. Yeah, beautiful. Well, before I ask you my final two questions, is there anything else on this topic that you're feeling called to speak to anymore? I think the number one thing is just be gentle with yourself. And a story comes to mind of a client that I that I recently work with, and he is... He's, he works in the army and so he's very logical willpower obviously you know which is great and he was struggling with RJ and we, we looked at the root cause and at some point on an email he was he's he's doing a lot better now and we were talking about it the other day and he said to me I remember you emailed me once and you said ever just be kind to yourself and I remember thinking to myself what what has being kind to myself got to do with RJ <laughs> and he's like I get it now, though, you know, because everything's a projection. So if you want to find empathy for your partner and you want to find understanding and you want to find acceptance, it starts from within. As annoying as it might sound, because as an artist sufferer, I know that you can feel quite angry and even judgmental. But if you take a step back and you think to yourself, okay, well, if you think everything's a projection, what am I projecting onto this person? And so self-compassion and kindness and patience and understanding with yourself and for yourself is the the fastest, best way forward, for me at least, as far as I'm concerned. 
I share that same sentiment. Thanks for sharing that. So because this is the You Love and You Learn podcast, a question I ask all my guests is, what is one thing that you have learned about love that you would want to leave listeners with? Honestly, in my relationship today, we've been through so many phases and it has had its ups and downs. We started our relationship. We we went off traveling for a year or two. I had really bad RJ. Then we, we worked really hard. We doing different things, yoga retreats and tra- different trainings here and there. And now we've got two under two, two kids under two. So really loving and respecting the other person and allowing them to evolve and to be who they are without judgment. And I feel for RJ sufferers, that might be difficult sometimes because you feel sometimes, I've got a video on it, it's called Retract Jealousy and Feeling Entitled <laughs> because you feel like sometimes you know best you want to tell them what to do but just I think love equals letting the other person be who they are and allowing them to change and shift and evolve in this life and supporting them and being there for them as much as you can and 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 also knowing that perfection doesn't exist in a, in, a, in relationships is very important as well especially if you're struggling with like you probably know ROCD or relationship anxiety don't expect perfection and the beauty is actually in the humanity, I think, in knowing that you know, I'm a human and you're a human and we're perfectly imperfect. And that's so much more powerful that we've worked through things and, and we've, we've overcome challenges and it's been difficult and it's been, you know, we've had really tough times, but we're still here. We're still here and we're still working on it and we're still trying every day. And I think that's the most important thing is that you are still both willing to work on it it's not a fairy tale that you just fell into. It's something that it's real life and you're both human. You're not perfect, but you're both willing to to be there for each other and to work on it and, and to allow each other to be who you are, you know, constantly changing and shifting and growing. Yeah, mm, so powerful. And, you know, just hearing you say as well that you have two under two, it just makes me feel so grateful that you took the time um, to spend with (laughs) me and the you love and you learn community today, because I know that your time is precious, is always precious, but especially when you have a family. So thank you so much. And my last question would just be if everyone's listening and wanting to learn more about you or your work, where's the best place for them to find more? The website's called overcomingrelationshipanxiety.com. Or on YouTube, I post mostly there. Um, it's ever if you put in Ever Thompson relationship anxiety, it will come up. But that's mostly where where we are. If you want to find us, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Eva. It was great to chat with you. I learned a lot from our conversation. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thanks, everybody. See you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. 
and the more ratings and reviews that are there the more people that can hear this message so thank you again so much it really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode